Welcome back, everybody. Legendary investor Charlie Munger passed away last week. And I know there's already been a ton of videos about it, but I was really just trying to find the right idea of how I wanted to talk about it. I was lucky enough to hear Warren and Charlie speak in person at the Berkshire Hathaway shareholders meeting earlier this year in Omaha. And actually, the reason that I went this year for the first time ever was because I was worried that there wasn't going to be that many more chances to be able to go see them. And unfortunately, that ended up being the case. Like many people, I'm sure, I learned about Charlie while learning about Warren. But over the years, I've come to really admire and appreciate Charlie's way of thinking and simply explaining the important parts of a concept. So in this video, we're going to listen mostly to Charlie and then talk about three simple rules for success in life and investing that I got from him. Lesson number one, challenge your own thinking. Now, Charlie's talked many times about his methods to success, but one that comes up time and time again is the idea of inverting a problem to be able to understand it and solve it better. One of my favorite tricks is the inversion process. And i give you an example. When I was a meteorologist in World War II. They told me how to draw weather maps and predict the weather. What we're actually doing is clearing pilots to take flights. And it just reversed the problem. I inverted. I said, suppose I wanted to kill a lot of pilots. What would be the easy way to do it? And I soon concluded that the only easy way to do it would be to get the planes into icing the planes couldn't handle, or to get the pilot into a place where he'd run out of fuel before he could safely land. So I made up my mind I was going to stay miles away from killing pilots by, from, by either icing or getting them into stock-in conditions when they couldn't land. I think that helped me be a better meteorologist in World War II. I just reversed the problem. Algebra works the same way. Every great algebraist inverts all the time because the problems are solved easier. Human beings should do the same thing in the ordinary walks of life. Just constantly avert. You don't think of what you want, you think what you want to avoid. Or when you're thinking what you want to avoid, you also think about what you want. And you just go back and forth all the time. Peter Kaufman, who's here today, he likes the idea that you want to know how the world looks from the top looking down, and you want to know what it looks like from the bottom looking up. And if you don't have both points of view, your reality recognition is lousy. Peter's right. And inversion is the same thing. And the idea of thinking about not just what you want, but also what you want to avoid is a very powerful one, both in life and investing. How many times have people YOLO'd into a meme stock or even a growth stock because it's in the news and going up. It's not done with fundamentals in mind, it's just riding the wave. We see wealth in the future and we're trying to catch it. And that's why every new hot sector gets money poured into it like crazy. But when those things come crashing down, it's usually the least prepared and most vulnerable people who get wrecked because they're not thinking about avoiding ruin, only about getting rich. And the same holds true in our everyday life. How many people live paycheck to paycheck, but still spend on things that they don't actually need? And in general, I don't have an issue with people spending their money however they want. That doesn't bother me. But it's the mindset of assuming that nothing bad is ever going to happen. This is a concept that I've talked about with my son a bunch as he's grown up. Don't just assume you can spend your money every paycheck and be okay. Don't assume you'll always have a paycheck coming in. And don't assume that life won't just happen to where you have an unexpected expense that wipes out your budget. 
So you might want those new Jordans, but you also want to avoid going into debt over a random flat tire. And when you start thinking about what you want to avoid in addition to what you want, you start making decisions a little bit differently and usually for the better. Lesson number two, numbers only tell part of the story. When it comes to investing, we all want to look at numbers. Everybody wants to know how much your portfolio is worth, what spreadsheets and formulas you use to evaluate a stock, how much you gained on that investment. This is one of the reasons why I've said before that I provide the spreadsheets that I use in my videos for free. And that's because I don't think there's any actual edge in a spreadsheet. The formulas are just going to spit out whatever assumptions you put into it. And you can easily do a Google search and find every valuation formula known to man. So I just provide them as a convenience in case you want to use them. And by the way, I am moving the updates in my spreadsheets off of Patreon. So if you are using them and you want to get notified of new updates, go down to the link in my description and sign up. In reality, the values in how much effort you put into what's outside the numbers. And this next clip is a couple minutes long, but it shows the difference beautifully. Charlie, you've mentioned that if given the chance or the same chance with a smaller capital base, you would still look for mispriced stock opportunities. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and that would be determined through obviously what, what we call the, uh, the intrinsic value of the organization or the, the company in question, an aggregate of the discounted future cash flows. Would you work the arithmetic using a fictional data set to illustrate the mathematical principia uh, to determine an intrinsic value? Um, and I'd hope you include the comprehensive metal, uh, mental model of the key metrics considered, any quali uh, qualitative assessments of the management, and any assumptions of its industry to determine the durability of its earning power. Uh, and Warren, uh, same, same to that effect, would you also demonstrate or illustrate a, uh, an arithmetic uh, problem set using with a significant capital base and provide the object lessons on how those have changed from a small to a large capital base? Well, I can't give you a formulaic approach because I don't use one. And I just mix all... I just mix all the factors, and, and if the gap between value and, and price is not attractive, I go on to something else. And sometimes it's just quantitative. For instance, when Costco was selling at about 12 or 13 times earnings, I thought that was a ridiculously low value just because the competitive strength of the business was so great and it was so likely to keep doing better and better. But I can't produce that to a formula for you. Uh, I like the cheap real estate, I like the competitive position, I liked the, the way the personnel system worked. I, I liked everything about it and I thought, even though it's three times book or whatever it was then, uh, that it, it, it's worth more. But that's not a formula that anybody, if you want a formula, you should go back to graduate school. They'll give you lots of formulas that won't work. And Charlie's answer is perfect because he's basically saying, look, I'm evaluating the business and that's more than just numbers. So that by the time I understand the core business so well, I can use something as simple as a price to earnings ratio to know if it's time to buy or not. And a great example of a similar idea in real life is how we evaluate other people. Now I've used this example before of what criteria do we use to find a wife or a husband? And if all you looked at were the numbers, it wouldn't tell you what you needed to know. Height, weight, age, income, credit score, favorite food. It might tell you something important about them, like maybe some criteria you can use to filter out certain people, like, hey, this person's too old or this person's too young. But it really doesn't tell you the core or important pieces about that person. It doesn't tell you what they're about, 
It doesn't tell you what makes them special. And to me, a stock is very similar to that. The numbers are going to tell you a little bit, but if you're stopping your research there, you're missing out on a lot, at least in my opinion. Lesson three, personal accountability will take you far. Charlie frequently got asked about things outside of business and finance, and to me, that's where some of his best quotes and best nuggets of wisdom actually came from. Here's Charlie on success in general. The safest way to try and get what you want is to try and deserve what you want. It's such a simple idea. It's the golden rule, so to speak. You you want to deliver to the world what you would buy if you were on the other end. There is no ethos, in my opinion, that is better for any lawyer or any other person to have. By and large, the people who've had this ethos uh, win in life, and they don't win just money, just honors and emoluments. They win the respect, the deserved trust of the people they deal with. And there is huge pleasure in life to be obtained from getting deserved trust. And here's Charlie about the keys to a successful life. People trying to figure out what the secret to life is, to a long and happy life. And and I just wonder if you were... Now that is easy because it's so simple. What is it? You don't have a lot of envy, you don't have a lot of resentment, you don't overspend your income, you stay charitable in spite of your troubles. You deal with reliable people and you do what you're supposed to do. And all these simple rules work so well to make your life better. And what's great about these clips is that if you watch multiple interviews, there's a lot of consistency and overlap between them. Could you please advise us on what major mistakes we should learn, we should avoid in both investing and in life? Well, it's, it's so simple to spend less than you earn and invest shrewdly and avoid toxic people and toxic activities and try and keep learning all your life, et cetera, et cetera, and do a lot of deferred gratification because you prefer life that way. And if you do all those things, you are almost certain to succeed. And if you don't, you're going to need a lot of luck, a lot of luck. And you don't want to need a lot of luck. You want to go into a game where you're very likely to win without having any unusual luck. And to me, all three of those clips are actually related to the same idea, personal accountability. Because we choose the way we want to live and carry ourselves. We can choose to spend less than we earn. We can choose to get away from toxic people or to continue learning. And all those things are within our control if we have the discipline and mental strength to do so. And the same holds true with investing. Is it the market's fault that our portfolio is down or that investing in that meme stock didn't work out? Ultimately, we're making the decisions with our money and accepting the potential outcomes that may happen. So when you really break it down, our willingness to hold ourselves accountable for the type of life that we want is probably the most important skill that we can develop over our lifetimes because it drives the amount of work and effort you're willing to put into it. If you hold yourself accountable to the life you want to lead, the type of investor you want to be, and you do that over a decent period of time, you'll likely do very well and need a minimum amount of luck. And what I love about that perspective is that it really aligns with my own personal values and the way that I was raised. And unfortunately, I think it's something that's kind of gotten lost a little bit over time. Because nowadays, people are more likely to complain when things don't turn out the way they want, instead of looking at themselves as to what they can do better in the future. And that's a shame. 
But I know in my own experience, anytime I took personal accountability for my situation and I challenged myself to do better, I always made progress on those goals. So even if it didn't turn out exactly the way that I expected, it was still a better situation than I started from. And I really can't think of a better analogy for investing than that. So rest in peace, Charlie. Awesome investor, amazing guy. And thanks to the power of the internet, we'll get to continue learning from his countless interviews and speeches for years to come. In school, they don't teach you how to make and save money, not in high school or college. So my question is, how would you propose to educate kids in this area? Well, I'd like to interject a word of caution. You sound like somebody who's likely to succeed at what you're trying to do. And uh, that's not always a good idea. If all you succeed in doing in your life is to get early rich from passive holding of little bits of paper, and you get better and better at only that for all your life, it's a failed life. Life is more than being shrewd at passive wealth accumulation. Hope you guys have a great day out there. Financial independence is true freedom, so keep building and stacking wins, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.